Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Alex Nicholas, host of the CUSA Hoops Cast with my man, Dave West, out there in Birmingham, Alabama. Dave, say what's up to the people, man. What's up, y'all? It's another week, another uh, slate of Conference USA games. All's good. I'm I'm still in mourning after that Old Dominion beatdown, but I'm feeling pretty posy, my friend. I'm going to break some news. I don't know if you've told anybody. I should have probably asked you before I told you about my love life story before we went on, but Dave is an official <laughs> member of the SB Nation crew. Dave is going to be the uh, – I had to congratulate Dave. He's going to be part of the SB Nation crew over at midmajormadness.com. He's going to be our CUSA writer. So check him out there, Dave. You're part of the fuckery and the foolishness that is SB Nation. So welcome aboard, <laughs> my man. <laughs> yeah, dog, I'm feeling pretty posy about it. Um yeah, they were they were they they said like no one's been covering Conference USA for months, which obviously I noticed. And I was like, man, I'm sitting here pumping out these Conference USA articles uh, via the Daily Dragon, and like unless I'm like tagging like the other like blog accounts and fan accounts for the other schools, like nobody's reading it. And I was like, you know, UAB people, they don't they're not they don't want to read it for the most part. I mean, uh, we we have kind of somewhat fair weather fans to begin with. So I was like, man, I need to get up on this and. So we're going to try it out. I've got my first article um, um, in drafts for them, so hopefully that will come out in the next coming days. It's about, like, the current standings and what I project uh, is going to happen in the next coming weeks in Conference USA play. That's what's up, man. Always looking to add to this SB Nation brethren. So got a kind of a meat and potato show for you all. We're going to go over some topics. Definitely want to get into this Coach of the Year argument that I've been waiting all weekend to get in with Dave. And we're also going to – our guest this week is going to be Doug Smott, He's a Marshall University beat writer for the Charleston Gazette Mail. He'll be on at 15 after, 15 after, excuse me, he'll answer our questions about what's been going on with Marshall and what's kind of, what's looking for. Dave has a couple of good questions talking, not so much this year, but looking ahead to under Dan D'Antonio, Dan D'Antonio, which is also a very interesting topic. So let's jump right into it. Obviously we'll get into kind of what some of our thoughts were last week, but it seemed like the other day Dave sent out a tweet uh, endorsing Steve Henson uh, for Conference USA uh, Coach of the Year, which is just I, – I agree to a point. But I think if it wasn't for this podcast, I'm pretty sure me and Dave probably could have gone back and forth on Twitter for a good hour. Because uh, I think, honestly, there's no argument. And this is my argument for uh, Mike Rhodes. I mean, there's just – to me, this guy, back-to-back 12-win seasons, during those back-to-back 12-win seasons, obviously injury, obviously – couple of issues with recruits, you know, that weren't able to, to, to make the injuries, nothing signing or anything like that, just injuries. Chad Lott, uh, Marcus Jackson, those guys were, were kind of banged up last year. I felt that this year should have been last year for Marshall. You look at their efficiency field goal percentage last year, they were in the 150s this year, they're top 20, according to Ken Palm. They're, this, to me, what it signifies as coach of the year is about how have you changed your program from a culture standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, and from a style standpoint. And I think right now, uh, Mike Rhodes has checked all three of those boxes, and I think to the T. And, and not only that, but you, he has Conference USA Player of the Year candidates. They're above 500. Why I don't think your boy Steve Henson is is because he hasn't checked off too many of those boxes. I think maybe one and a half, two of the three. You know, I, I just haven't really been fully impressed with UTSA's full body of work. Now, it's, it's a tremendous turnaround. Uh, you know, obviously, a team that won what games in, you know, maybe less than 15 the past couple of years, it is a tremendous turnaround. But I just don't think Steve Henson is deserving just quite yet. They're still under 500. 
There's still some questions. They still have a couple of losses that make you scratch your head. Uh, but I'm going to give you the floor and, and back up your boy, Steve Henson. But I just, I mean, I still think Steve Henson is two years away from a full transformation. I think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the back end of, of his bandwagon. But this is a Mike Rhodes household, and I think there's no other coach in Conference USA that is more deserving than my boy, Mike Rhodes. But let, let, I, I want to hear, I really want to hear your full justification of, of that boy, up. Steve Henson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you rambled on that one. Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, it, it, the, the, these two teams have a really interesting four-game slate. Uh, UTSA is on the road four games, and uh, Rice is at home the next four games. So that's really going to decide it right there. I mean, if, if Steve Henson can go out there and get a couple good road wins, then, then my man Steve's going to win because he's my dog. But, I mean, on all likelihood, Rice is going to take care of business in the, over, against the next four teams, and, and, and he deserves it, man. I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to bring basketball players to, to Houston play for Rice. Uh, the, the standards are so high. I mean, this, the, the curriculum that, that they, uh, they have to undertake, even if they're taking, like, you know, you know kind of you know, bullshit classes, it's still tough. You're at Rice University, so – I, I, I have no problem with either of those guys winning, but I think it's going to be those one of those two guys. I think we can both agree to that, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know doubt about it. Well, give me your best argument, though. If you're in that Conference USA meeting room and they're saying, "Okay, Dave, you got you got the deciding deciding vote," and let's just say you do, you, you know, you seem to be a big proponent of, of Steve Henson. What's your number one kind of pitch that you're saying that why Steve Henson does deserve it? you know, before this next, uh, you know, for the last six games or the last three weekends of the season? Uh, uh, PR reasons. I mean, uh, the, it, he's a first-year coach, defense at UTSA, and, uh, and Mark's a, a second year at Rice. Uh, and that, that's a really big fan base that they want to tap into. They want to get a lot of those lower-tier basketball teams in the past three, four years. They want to see them get built up. So it's going to be a PR thing, if nothing else. And that's why I think he's going to win it. Uh, un- unless Rice just gets really hot, really late. So I mean, but I, that and that's how Conference USA is. I mean, Conference USA loves to pick their awards to, to be PR friendly. They want to, they like to go by the book and make you know the sexy pick. Excuse me, they don't like to make the sexy pick. They like to be really down the middle. And um, he's still, I mean, he's still deserving. Heck, he almost swept La Tech. They, I mean, they, they lost this weekend. The other uh, they, at, towards the end, but. They've got some – they've got wins over LaTeX, UAB. It's crazy, man. But uh, this four-game stretch might – hell, they might lose all four games. He's completely out of conversation. So, let's see what happens between here and March. Moving on to some thoughts on, on player of the year candidates right now. To me, I think it's, it's – I may be different than a lot of people. It, it, there hasn't been anybody that's really stepped up in that player of the year that's, you know, just – taking things over. You've seen guys have great games and great impacts on team, but I'm going to knock this down to three players, Ja'Cory Williams, Eric McCree, and Marcus Evans. I got to knock out Reggie Upshaw because he went scoreless against UTEP. Player of the year shouldn't go scoreless. That's not a knock on Reggie. Reggie Upshaw is probably one of the more decorated players in our conference right now over a career. But those three guys, is there anybody else that I miss, or does it seem like those are the three horses that, that are headed for the finish line here? No, you're spot on. That's it, man. I was going to say the same thing if you didn't say that. And, um, and again, no knock on Reggie. Reggie just has the unfortunate uh, re- you know, reality that he's on the same team with Ja'Cory Williams, who I don't think is going to win. I mean, we'll talk about that. But uh, that that's kind of you know negates a lot of things for him because I mean, he'll have games where he'll have two points and he'll have games where he'll have 30-plus like he did against UAB. 
and it's I mean he's he's on a very talented basketball team. And um but yeah, I agree with you. Those are my top three as well. Who's kind of that leader in the doghouse or who's the guy that has a next two good weekends just kinda of goes off? Is there anybody in that three man race that just goes off in the next two weekends and it's his or you think there's something that could really come down to legitimately the last game of the season? Man, it's Eric McCree at La Tech, the senior forward. It's his to lose at this point. He's just so stinking versatile, man. It's not fair. God, look, I mean, he hit 13 threes in the past three games, and he's like their primary interior forward. That's incredible, man. And he and, and, and he's getting his distribution via, uh, you know, the freshman of the year, Daquan Brace, the point guard. So, I mean, and, he, and he's been doing this year in, year out with point guards just graduating year by year. I mean, they, they, people refer to La Tech as, you know, point guard you in this conference. and But here's the weird thing, like, that, that I don't think a lot of people realize, except for probably me, you, and people who follow this closely. La Tech may, may be winning the past three Conference USA Player of the Year awards. That's insane to me. Even even Memphis never did that. That's just tremendous talent. Bleeding over from the Mike White era and now Eric Conkle, who I had a little short conversation with after the game on Thursday. The real-spoken guy took time to actually – Talk to me. I know they were trying to get out of uh, out of El Paso, but I'm I'm, I'm Eric Conkle out. And, and, you know what? We kind of left that out too because uh, earlier in our coach of the year talk, uh, you know, Eric Conkle has the you know a lot of tech report out there. Shout out to them. You know, they kind of came out of left field with, with you know with Conkle. They, I mean, they were picked to finish seventh in the league, and all of a sudden, you know, like totally. you said, they have an opportunity to, to to finish two, and they have a chance to win some games in the tournament. So that's a guy that you can't throw out of that uh, that race as well. That's kind of the dark horse third guy, if you will. So looking at, we looked at the standings a little bit more in depth last week, but I mean, th- this week is really only one place to really look at, at the juiciness, uh, uh, I guess you can say, of the Conference USA standings. And that's that fourth, fifth place. What I'm calling it is it's a flat-out clusterfuck right now between Old Dominion, UAB, Rice, Marshall, your UTEP miners, uh, all <laughs> Old, Dominion, <laughs> Old Dominion, UAB, eight and five right now, tied for fourth place, Rice, Marshall, UTEP, all seven and five. Break this down to me, Dave, the best you can, because this shit is it's crazy <laughs> in the middle of the standings. Nah, man, it's a whack. It's wacky right now. It's it's hard to to decipher what's going to happen because the schedules ending up for that group of core teams are so different. And so there's so many variables mm-hmm. coming to play. Like I spoke about earlier, Rice has four home games, and uh, UAB's got a really tough end. They've got they you know, they do have middle at home, but they have to go to Western. And Marshall, um, I think where we sit right now at the top four, in my personal opinion, with Middle, LaTeX, ODU, UAB, I think that's pretty pretty good guesstimate. It's going to be those four teams in some mm-hmm. in some variation of that order. Uh, beyond that, anyone's guess. I mean, Rice could make a run with their four home games. Uh, UTEP is going to be, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be up there too. Because if I'm not mistaken, UTEP's got to fin- uh, finish with majority of road games, correct? Yeah, four of their last six. Yeah, man. Um, but heck, they've been playing really well on the road lately. They, you know, they kind of crapped away that Western Kentucky game, but they beat Marshall handily on the road. Maybe, maybe that defense is going to travel. You just don't know. But in, in my opinion, the uh, at the top, Middle Tennessee, they're a lock. It's done sealed, deliver. I don't even think they're going to share it. I think it's going to be over with next weekend, a whole week early. I think they're going to win the next three games, which includes UAB. That's my opinion. 
And uh, but it, it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a, a lot of jockeying in the uh, five to eight to nine range more than anything else. I think UAB and Old Dominion Lottec are going to rise to the top, in my opinion, and, and, and maintain their position in top four. I'm, I'm going to buy a little bit of stock in Rice, kind of what you're selling, talking about four home games coming up. But they've won four of their last six. Their best win in that game, you can really kind of just really point at Old Dominion, Charlotte, North Texas, FIU, Fort Atlantic, Southern Miss. Those are games that they should win. But I'm really looking forward to that 20, uh, February 25th game against Louisiana Tech at home. I really think that UTEP's going to have trouble next Saturday or this coming Saturday, and I think UTSA is in some trouble. I think they'll definitely handle Southern Miss, and that's going to really, really be a showdown there for Rice to be able to continue rising as we get in, you know, kind of jumping into the next thing that I really want to talk about is they're rising once again. Now it could be, you know, you look at their opponents who they played and you're looking at what they've done against, uh, you know, the, the tier B teams when you're looking at, at, at Ken Palm. And I, I like that. I like the way that he puts that in there because those are legitimate teams, you know, that on the outside looking in and Rice has struggled with them, but they've taken care of business against everybody else. Marcus Evans, uh, six of 14 from three point line in two games last year, racked up the second conference USA of the year. Is it, we, we've been really, really cheerleaders of the rice owls, but at this point, are you buying stock in them? Not only to finish strong, but to be able to finish strong and to be able to, to surprise somebody in the tournament or, you know, are, are we still kind of worry about that little stretch that rice went through over the past couple of weeks before they won four out of six? I think they're going to get hot here, and I think they very well could win these next four games. But uh, I think they're going to kind of fall back to what they are and what we saw a couple weeks ago where they just, just, just can't win again. I mean, they haven't won a game against the top four teams yet this season. Um, in the middle, UAB, La Tech, and ODU, they I mean they're 0-4 against those teams. And I, I think, I think that, that, that's what's going to happen if they, if they see any of those four teams in the conference tournament. They just don't quite have the, the, the dudes up front, the, the interior players, to, uh, to be able to play with them. And, um, but I, I could be shocked. It just hasn't happened of late in Conference USA tournaments in the past two, three years. It's been the teams that have the, the complete package. It's been the teams that have the front and the backcourts. A hot shooting team hasn't been able to to sneak its way out of that tournament uh, in years past. Uh, so, in my in my opinion, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see Rice get a little bit hot here. Maybe move their way up to you know, the number five, maybe even the number four seed if they're lucky. But it, they're gonna get in the conference tournament. They may win a game. That's probably gonna be about it, in my opinion. I put money on Rice definitely locking in that number five seed for sure. But moving on. To our guest, Doug Smock from Marshall University. He's their beat writer for the Charleston Gazette Mail. And he's, you know, that's a team that's definitely in that clusterfuck that we talked about earlier. Doug, you're on, I believe. Can you hear me, partner? Yes, I, I can hear you loud and clear. There we go. There we go, Doug. Thank you for taking time to, to come on and join us here. Uh, you know, I, was, I don't want to say that I was critical of Marshall over the last stretch before last weekend, but can you, it seemed like there was second-half struggles through a stretch, and it kind of started, I guess you could say, with that UTEP game. What has kind of gone on since then, and does that have any link to the departure of Chris Duhon, who, learning from my partner Dave over here, he was kind of a big proponent of what Marshall does on floor in terms of practice. Yeah, Chris Duhon's uh, forced departure, shall we say, had uh... – it, it put a little damper on things, uh, and, it, and it may have come out in the UTEP game, but although I'm, I'm going to tell you, UTEP's one of the toughest matchups Marshall has in that league. 
uh, it it really put a damper on things. And the team might be getting a little fatigued uh, looking for its second wind. Second wind. It uh, they they, uh, they kind of gave up a gave up most of a 23 point lead at Western Kentucky, of course. Sometimes that'll happen. That's why you get 23-point leads, you know. So, uh, I mean, just because you're up by 23 doesn't mean you win by 46, you know. But uh, they're, they're, they've had to recover from that because Duhon really worked with the guard quite nicely because he's a point guard. He's an NBA point guard, Duke point guard, and he offered a lot of expertise. And, you know, they're down one coach to run practice. This is a practical matter. They're down one coach the rest of the year, you know, to run practices. I mean, you can put your director of ops guy or a GA or anything. It's just not the same, you know, and, and that, that's a practical uh, loss for Marshall. Uh, they're going to get over the emotional loss, but this is a practical matter there. And to, uh, to keep talking about Chris Duhon, and this is Dave, by the way, from the Daily Dragon. I really appreciate you uh, giving your time tonight, Doug, to be with us. Um, I had the the opportunity last year at the Conference USA Tournament in Birmingham to be at Marshall's uh, media practice, and um, and I witnessed I witnessed Dan D'Antoni come to the the score table media you know area uh, on the court side, and he just held court for thirty minutes, and Chris ran the entire practice. So I can yeah. I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine what that's like and and that thing I've heard that you know many times that he was he was being um, you know being brought up in in the coaching profession uh, he, like he potentially you know could take a position um, even higher than assistant coaching position the next couple of years out of school so I can't I can't imagine what what kind of hit that is when you lose an assistant coach like that you just you just can't have someone step in to to his position, especially with the experience he had at North Carolina. And uh, uh, excuse me, Duhon played at Carolina or Duke? He played at Duke. Duke, excuse me. Oh gosh, don't let don't let him know I said that. But, <laughs> but moving moving forward, uh, I it's it was a really great week for Marshall in the past seven to ten days with Austin Loop and Ryan Taylor. You know, four year guys in there that uh, getting into different different uh, scoring clubs and rebound clubs. This is, this is something that I want to know about Marshall going forward, and it's a somewhat of a recruiting question, I guess you could say, and program question. Those guys were fantastic, and they're, they'll be remembered for a long time in Marshall history, but Marshall's still kind of teetering in that middle, middle ground area in Conference USA. Do you think Dan is out there doing the things that you feel is necessary for, the, for them in recruiting going forward to, to jump in to be one of the top tier teams in conference USA. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's pretty active. He's, he's going to need a stopgap measure inside in case Iron Bennett, a name you should know, um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. turns out to be a prop. I mean, if you're familiar with him about six, nine, he's coming down Very. from the three, three hundreds and he, he's going to get himself run down to about two eighty, and he'll, He'll be a four. He's got soft hands. He's got skills inside. He will be, he will be that force and somewhat of a rim protector that Marshall's lacking. Sort of like a. He'll be a bigger version of James Kelly if you remember him from last year. I do. And uh, there, there's, you know, he's he's got some talent come in. Now the biggest worry is to replace a shooter like Austin Loop, because this sure. is. 
this he is just a pure bomber. He has got the technique. Uh, you know, the previous coach would have put him at the end of the bench for four years, but uh, <laughs> you know, he has started every game for Dan Dan Tony, and he has earned his way. And you see it in the three point stats. He's he's up he but he's up above forty one percent for his career. You know, and that that right. includes. That includes sophomore slumps and, and missing a few as a freshman. So <laughs> he is, you know, you get him, you get him a little bit open, and that ball is, is that ball's probably going in. It's he's now shooting in the fifty percent range, forty five percent range over the last uh, two or three weeks. Wow, <laughs> he's he may be getting more deadly as the season wears on. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's one of the better stories on that team. No, Austin Lube has been one of my favorites, and I I felt like he had some some times last season where he he might have not had his best moments, and I don't know if that was because of James Kelly's style in that or his his his, his ability in that offense to be kind of play hero ball. And uh, you know, take take a lot of shots and a lot of possessions, and there just wasn't enough for Austin. But this year, he just seems to just gel in perfectly with John Elmore feeding him the ball and Stevie, you know, just giving him giving him open looks. Um, I mean, they they, they they do a fantastic job, much like the Houston Rockets, like uh, Dan's brother, of uh, just getting good open looks in the three point line. And, and and as we know, Austin's making history because of it. Yeah. And I tell you, I keep telling people who aren't as familiar with the Marshall program, the three-point shooting is one thing, but the thing that makes that offense click is the ball movement. And and sure. when you see when you see that offense clicking, you see ridiculously quick ball movement and decisions and sudden drives to the hoop and driving dishes and loop. Uh, loop got one basket out of an outrageous cross-court pass that it, it almost buzzed the head of a defender and, and that defender stood, you know, he was defenseless <laughs> in, in trying to uh, stop that pass. And, and it, it just whipped over there and Luke just had an easy three-pointer. He's, you know, he, and Rick Stansberry blew two timeouts in the first half trying to get a handle <laughs> on it. You know, it's, that's you. They're playing a really good game when the other coach just burns all his time out. For sure. No doubt about it. Me and Dave were talking about. Uh, I wrote an article when the basketball schedules came out when they came out, thinking back to the summer or, or in August, and it was it was weird. It was a weird scheduling. And, and now that we're getting into Conference USA play, you see some teams have favorable schedules, others don't. Looking at Marshalls, you can kind of look at it 50-50. You play UAB, you play Middle Tennessee, but they're at home. But you have to go on the road against Old Dominion coming up, uh, you know, after that. What what are you looking for or, or what do you think we'll find out about this team going forward after these three games in terms of, of what they could do come Birmingham, or, you know, in, in mid-March? <laughs> I think you've got, the, uh, you've got the litmus test there, folks. I mean – even in Huntington, middle UAB and middle, just a tough stretch. That we, you know, we. I'm sure you all do this too. You call it the toughest road trip in Conference USA. 
It's not mm-hmm. that much easier uh, when they come on your floor. I mean, Middle Tennessee is probably the has probably got the best defensive strategy against Marshall. Very fluid one three one. They jump in and out of that defense. You know, they confuse you a little bit. They're long, and that that you know ever Marshall killed them the first time they played last year. But the second time down in Murfreesboro and the time in Birmingham, Kermit Davis had adjusted, and he has done the best job adjusting the Marshall to the Marshall offense. And of course, UAB's won how many against in a row against Marshall? Some close, some oh, not. Six. Yeah, yeah six. and and this last year was a uh, shall we say disputed game by the by the patrons. For sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so, uh, so this that'll be a fun game. That'll be a lot of fun. I, UAB kind of perplexes me. That's, I mean, they've still got that front line, but they seem so vulnerable at times. I mean, you can speak to that more than I can. No, I, I agree, Doug. It's it's an identity crisis is really what it is the best way to put it. Uh, we don't know who we want to be the man every night, and that's something that speaks on uh, Nick Norton's ability. He, he's just, just an incredible point guard. He just makes everyone better, kind of like John Elmore does. He makes guys play better than, than I guess, quote-unquote, they are. Uh, he, he puts them in position to be really good. And uh, after that old Dominion loss, I followed this team as closely as anyone, and I knew old Dominion, what they were capable of and what to expect when they got there. It's amazing. That that 21-point loss in Bartow Arena at old Dominion was the worst since St. Louis back in 2001. That's how long it's been since someone has beaten UAB that bad in that house. That's, it was it was it was un- two realignments ago. My gosh. <laughs> it, it was it, it was people were, yeah, right. It was people were dumbfounded. It was it's just it, and that's that's just where we are right now. We we're a Jekyll and Clyde type of team. We we, we may walk into uh in the Cam Henderson Center on Thursday and hit seven threes in the first half. It wouldn't even shock me. <laughs> we we just, we just do that kind of crap and but it's it's and you and you Doug, you know, you've been around long enough and uh, it's going to be a good game. These are two good, proud programs and good players on both sides. Uh, it, it's going to be a big weekend for, for Marshall. And I think Marshall fans really, really want to see a winner this weekend. Um, you guys have been, been, been really bringing the fans into, into, into the cam, and I, which I think is a very underrated arena in Conference USA. But before I ramble on too long, I kind of want to, before we let you go here, last question, I wanted to get a, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about your column that you um, had this morning about the NCAA and the way that it does its uh, its bids and some of the bigger you know the power schools getting what you feel and most feel probably too many or at least most feel in in our in our um, area of work. Um, do you think conference in your opinion? Do you think Conference USA where we are right now and going forward? Do you think are we even trending in the right direction to possibly even? be like an, 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 an A-10 or the American, or do you think we're kind of just treading water? Boy, that's a lot to ask to be the A-10 or the American. <laughs> that is a lot to ask. I mean, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, I would settle for being a uh, – to be somewhat of an equivalent of the Missouri Valley, to tell you the truth. Sure. And 
they're a single bed league this year, certainly, but the you know the Missouri the Valley is has put it in a multiple team or shoot one year was it three or four and uh yeah it's yeah mm-hmm. it, that's and, and as I point out, there's not that many conferences after those big five in the Big East that get multiple right. bids. There just isn't. You're right. You're, you're talking exactly right. You're talking most of the leagues, and and I mean most of them, are single bid leagues. And I fear that Middle Tennessee, even if 29 is going to get jobbed, <laughs> I really fear no, that. I totally agree. I totally agree, and and they deserve it in my opinion. I'm, I'm I watch this conference uh, even in November and December probably embarrassingly closer than anybody in this whole country. And I saw the teams they beat and the teams they played, they just handled an in-state team like Vanderbilt, uh, beat a really, really good UNC Wilmington in Nashville on a, on a neutral court. And mm-hmm. they went into Ole Miss and just flat out embarrassed Andy Kennedy's team. They were up 48 yeah. to like 17. And, yeah. and you and I both know that team can play with just about – with the way Kermit's running that defense, and the options mm-hmm. they have on offense, they could, they could play with just about anybody in the country. So, but um, I think what, Alex is going to go ahead, go ahead, go, Doug. Sorry about that. One one thing that may that may help them with the selection committee is how they wore out Michigan State last year. That may they tell you it doesn't matter, but it you know it plants a it may plant a little seed in their heads. No, Doug I agree. Smock, I you've agree. been listening to you've been listening to Doug Smock giving us some great insight. He is a Marshall University beat writer over there at the Charleston Gazette Mail. Follow him on Twitter at Doug Smock. That's S M O C on Twitter. Check his workout over at the Charleston Gazette Mail. He has S M O C K. He's got also the inside Marshall blog over there in the Marshall University section. Check check it out. You can find his uh, his uh, column that he did this morning on college basketball. Doug, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. You're a tremendous guest, man. We hope to speak to you soon. All right. I'll thank you for having me. Thanks, Doug. All right. And there you go. Yeah, I, I, I like the Missouri Valley, uh, you know, kind of comparison. But even kind of compare, I was kind of thinking maybe, to me, it's more regional from for you guys. Or maybe something like the Mountain West but league is down this year. But that's something I would really, really – like to see Conference USA definitely mold into. So before we wrap up, I wanted to just get kind of Dave's thoughts on, on last week. And was there anything that really kind of popped out to you? Obviously, we talked about Marshall kind of rising once again, you know, who they played. But was there anything that kind of stuck out to you that, that you know, going into this week we definitely got to keep an eye on? For me last week, what stuck out was, was Louisiana Tech. I, I think them – a winning um, at the Haskins Center, which which you were there courtside for, I think that was really really huge for that program, and uh, and answered a lot of questions for me of of, of uh, is Eric McCree going to carry this team you know in, you know into the end here to be the top you know one of the top uh, two two or three seeds. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, you could probably elaborate a little bit, a bit more here. I mean, what did you see when you saw Law Tech in person? I mean, they they're just taking all my attention right now. Yeah, you know, they it's kind of, it was weird the first half. I felt UTEP really affected them. We talked about it earlier in the show about UTEP's defense. And I talked about it last time, and that's just been affecting folks. And then they come out of the second half, and you get five in a row. You get two from Bracey. You get two from Eric McCree. 
And then you get uh, – yeah, two for Eric McCree, and then uh, Jacoby Boykins go, starts getting hot. And, I mean, this team, they just – it's that Swiss Army knife. At any moment, any of that, these guys can kind of get on court. And it, it's that same thing about ball movement. With Daquan Bracey is scoring when he's active, that is when this team is just almost unstoppable. Now, defensively, I was kind of impressed that, you know, for, on the UTEP angle, that UTEP wasn't getting their shots blocked. That's kind of a big thing when you, when you play Louisiana Tech. I mean, these guys make you look like high school kids, you know, with their ability to rise up, their ability to stop sure. your dribble. And, and you get discouraged, and you end up jacking up jump shots. And UTEP was able to go at Louisiana Tech, but Louisiana Tech was able to counter with, with good offense. And that stretch there, that stretch in that first half where they win, I think it was a 18-5 run, or no, 21-5 run. 21-5 run out of the gates, and they just obliterated UTEP, and it was inside out. Yeah, they hit five threes in a row, but when Daquan Bracey is moving in, and when a guy like Eric McCree shooting it, and they weren't really tremendous shots. I mean, they went down. McCree's two jumpers were well, were well contested by Jake Flagger, but I mean, this guy is a difference maker, man. He can do it all, and he was that UTEP really took away his drive. They took away his inside game because over the past two seasons, Eric McCree has just lived off that turn around inside, back you up 15 to 13 foot jumper. And, and it, he's killed UTEP with that. But Tim Floyd adjusted and Eric McCree was able to get going from the outside. And when he's able to find that game, and I've noticed a couple of times this year, when teams take something away from Eric McCree, you see that, I don't want to call it pouting, but he gets frustrated, you know, and, and that can hold oh, sure, a couple other sure. players on that team too. Yeah. And, but I didn't see that. I saw a very poised team. And, and you know, we're not drawing 8,000 no more, but the Haskins Center has been a lively place over the past couple of weeks. And to see that poise, that shows me that this Louisiana Tech team can hang in a tough game against Middle Tennessee where they're not hitting shots in a Conference USA Championship game per se. You know what I mean? Just showing those type of steps of maturity. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really, really big to see from a team that we know has all the talent in the world for sure, man. Dude, when we come back next week, like, the the conference, like, the, the, the standings, like, it could be a completely different uh, layout than what we saw this week. This is, this, is pro, this is moving week is what this is. This is like a big golf tournament, you know, going into in the PGA, going into Saturday. Uh, this is when all the movement happens. Uh, I, I can't wait, man. We're going to have so much stuff to talk about next week. And, and Doug just killed it, man. We've been so freaking lucky with our guest on this podcast. And if people aren't listening, they're stupid because, man, some, these, these local beat writers and these national correspondent, uh, national uh, uh, analysts, I mean, these, these guys are awesome and giving up their time on a Monday night when most people are just chilling at home, you know, having a beer like I am right now. Um, dude, it's, it's been a hell of a lot of fun. And, but next week, who knows what we're going to see. And especially with middle and UAB, they're going on, they're going on that, on that road trip. Um, we, you know, if they, if they drop a couple games, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride a couple weeks going into the, the conference tournament. The game of the week for me, I'm not even, I don't even care about Saturday right now, but that UAB Marshall game on Thursday is going to be bananas. It's funny that we were talking about when UTEP went into Marshall and, and you made a joke to me, or I, I think it was on Twitter or even on here about, you know, the, 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 the craziness that is the Cam Henderson center, the drunk hillbillies, the wildness. Well, I didn't watch it, but I heard it through the radio when you said played there. So that's going to be an environment and a half for UAB. And oh, and they hate UAB. About, they hate UAB. Yeah. They, and when we talked about UTEP having that, you know, that, that, that the Jeep Jackson night where that was kind of a factor, that 
atmosphere is going to be a huge factor. And Marshall, they're getting back on that high horse, but just give us a breakdown of this game. I mean, to me, this is the best game of the week, and I don't care. Like I said, I will get into Saturday, but this game right here, you're talking about so much movement that can happen. I think this game right here is where it could start. It's it's the game of the week for sure. Um, Marshall Marshall fans hate UAB. They just they just do. They hate us because we keep beating them. It's it's kind of like Marshall is almost like UAB is to Memphis. They can't ever get over the hump, and they get just close enough every other game or so to like get a taste of almost winning. And they hate us for it. When we won it in Huntington last year, uh, it was a very very controversial out of bounds call uh Tosa Mahinti got an off uh, excuse me a defensive rebound that went off him and, a, and UAB got the ball and ended up stealing the deal with That's like right. run the clock out and, and gosh man that. now the, I remember that yeah it's an that was CBS sports game at 11 o'clock you know that that last yeah. year it's another CBS sports game they're gonna be pissed as hell man and as far as personnel wise what UAB did, I mean, UAB almost broke 100 on Marshall at home in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago and just, just owned them from top to bottom. But that game was a little bit misleading because uh, Paneva had an ankle injury early in the first half, and he's, I mean, he's not the best, excuse me, he's probably not even a top 10, like, interior player in the conference, but he's 6'10", and he's a body. And we, you and I both know, and most people who know, follow Marshall know, you, they got to have a body down there with Ryan Taylor. So assuming he's healthy, and you know they're going to be, you know, you know, wanting to get some revenge on UAB, but that that's when UAB kind of like surprises this year. Whenever they go into a place or go play a team they're not supposed to win is when they play well. But then you put us in a game like against Old Dominion, where the the crowd is basically asleep, and and Old Dominion just just beats the hell out of us the entire game and out physical us. That's that's where we you know been losing this year. But um, personnel-wise, I, 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 I don't think it's going to be a terribly high-scoring game. I think it's going to be really, really defensive-minded, even with Marshalls, you know, the way they like to play. I think I think there's going to be some defense here. I think I think these two teams are really going to battle it out, and it's going to be must-see TV, man, on, on CBS. It's it's six o'clock Eastern time. I guess eight o'clock your time, wherever the hell you are in Texas. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. That's actually a 5 o'clock start here. And, hey, how about this? Hey, we stepping up in the game. We got a CBS uh, Sports Network doubleheader because after that Marshall UAB game, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee are, is the nightcap, I guess you could say. Doubleheader, baby. West game after that. Doubleheader, we're stepping Probably. up. But my question to you, looking at this, <laughs> looking at this Middle Tennessee-Western Kentucky game, what does Western Kentucky have to do? Do they need to hit shots, like we said, that's kind of been their Achilles heel, or can they just match Middle Tennessee? Because they can match up with them, but can they match up and pass them production-wise to be able to pull off an upset? Obviously, it's a rivalry game. You know, that's one of my favorite rivalries in Conference USA. Anything can kind of happen in this game, but what is going to be a factor? Is it going to be guards making shots, or do you think, Western Kentucky can get it done inside to just put a scare, if not beat Middle Tennessee on Thursday after y'all. No, they have no chance inside against what against Middle. Uh, they're going to have to hit like ten or twelve threes through Pancake and uh, through uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah through Q Johnson. Like they're they're going to have to have the best game of the season. Um, middle actually, uh, it, it, granted that the rosters were a good, a lot different last year, but uh, Middle won on a tip in at, in Bowling Green last year when they played. Uh, uh, I don't remember. It was one of those 
good power forwards of theirs that graduated last year. I can't even think of his name. But, I mean, they play close games typically. It didn't so much mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago in middle when they won by double digits uh, in Murfreesboro. But, I, I, personally, I don't think it's going to be very close. I don't, I don't think Western has the roster to do it. But who, who knows, man? Justin Johnson could get in there and just be really banging, get Ja'Cory in foul trouble. When Ja'Cory Williams, he gets in foul trouble, middle, middle has, has trouble. And, and that's something Ja'Cory really struggles with. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll post up two, 3,000 in, in a first half. He's done it many times this season. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take a perfect storm. But I, I just don't see like, – if middle – go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll finish it. If, if Middle's going to lose this weekend, it's going to be at Marshall. Middle got their asses beat in Marshall last year. Granted, James Kelly went like nuts and had like a 360 dunk in that game, and he's obviously no longer there. But but Middle just doesn't doesn't match up or, I guess, do well when they go to Huntington. That's just not a very friendly place for them. So, if, if, in my opinion, if they're going to lose, it's going to be in Huntington against Marshall. I like that. I like that you brought that up. Justin Johnson versus Ja'Cory Williams. Justin Johnson, one of my favorite fours in the league since he was a freshman since I saw him play uh, last year for WKU, and that's really going to be something enticing. Looking at the other Thursday games, they're all uh, not dime piece type games. you got to be kind of drunk to watch a couple of them. Louisiana Tech definitely sure, has right. care business against FAU. Southern Miss, FIU, ugh, I mean, that's going to be – that could be a good game, but I don't know if that's going to be sexy enough to watch. UTSA and no. Rice, Rice definitely <laughs> on the roll. <laughs> UTEP North Texas, that's another bummer type game. But hey, what's the Tony Bennett game last weekend, partner? <laughs> so we'll see about that one. That freshman is going off, man. That freshman is playing really well. Kind of concerned with Hell him. Hell yeah, he is. That, you don't know. Yeah, he really is. The Saturday, looking at that Marshall-Middle-Tennessee State game, that's going to be a battle, 5 o'clock uh, Central Time on American Sports Network. I mean, it, 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 you, we, when we talk about these Saturday games, obviously we're sitting here on a Monday, we always talk about a hangover. You know, you, you kind of see that. And, you know, just for example, a team like UTEP last week, that was kind of my big question. They lost to Louisiana Tech, able to come out, and bow be it, it was Southern Miss, and they waxed them by 30. But, to see those bounce-back games here for either Marshall or, or, or Middle Tennessee, I mean, how do you see this going? You feel Middle Tennessee could be in trouble just because of, of the of, because of the environment. Do you kind of throw out what happens Thursday, even if you make like a full take on that game? Yeah, I, I throw out what happens Thursday. I think I think Middle's going to struggle at Marshall. I think they're going to struggle. At the, I think I think Marshall's probably going to have their more rowdy, pissed off fans on Thursday because they hate UAB. <laughs> but I think I think yeah. But I think with that 5 p.m. Central Time tip on Saturday, I think they're going to uh, the, the the folks of Huntington are going to be nice and well lubricated at the local uh, watering holes. I think they're going to come in there and get <laughs> they're going to get pissed off at Middle, and I'm going to love it. But I'll tell you the, and I'll get, I'm gonna get to UTEP and Rice here in a second. But I'll tell you the game. What I'll tell you. Speaking of letdowns, I I can almost guarantee you Charlotte's gonna go into Old Dominion and beat them after ODU just you know Ooh, shit all over UAB thing. last week. Well, you know, and they they when they played a couple weeks ago, they had that that bench clearing incident. It was like a week before the right. UAB La Tech incident, and they didn't suspend anybody. They really just fucked up the whole thing but i i, I think um i think charlotte's gonna go in there and sweep the series because 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 uh john davis won that old dominion game like like, like on a uh like an 18 footer like just just swished it at the, at the final buzzer and they won i think charlotte's gonna go in there and um 
they're going to piss in their cereal and it's going to be freaking awesome because I want Old Dominion to lose every single game for the rest of the season. <laughs> and that'll and that'll put Charlotte right in the middle of that teams that are hovering around 500 cluster. Fuck if that happens, and that's a, that could be a possibility. I like that hot take. But going back to the Saturday game against UTEP and and, and Rice, I'm pissed off. For one, this game isn't on TV. So, to me, that defies me sure. of the two best bat in the Conference USA with Omega Harris, Dominic Artis, against our boy Igor and our boy Marcus Evans. So, I'm pissed about that, first of all. I mean, not, not just because I want to watch UTEP, but that's a really good guard matchup, and that is what it's going to come Hell down yeah. to. Obviously, UTEP, UTEP may have an edge because of the way Matt Williams and Paul Thomas have been playing, but that game's going to be dictated by the guards, and that is going to be just a tremendous matchup. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll get crucified for this from my UTEP folk, but I think recently from what I've seen of Dominic Artis and Omega Harris, they've been hit or miss in terms of that spectacular play throughout the entire game. I might want to give that edge to Marcus and Igor because they've done it a little bit more consistency. But either way, this matchup is going to be huge. And I know you're kind of like me on these boys. We love these group of four kids that we're talking about. That is going to be an explosive matchup Saturday night at Tudor, man, no doubt. Who the hell is going to guard Matt Wilms? Like, le- legitimately, like, there's nobody to guard him. Let if your he doesn't have, like, a do shit. Dude, man, Matt Matt has just played so well lately, and his footwork's been on. Uh, you know, he's had foot injuries or whatever. Like, like, he just looks healthy, and he looks confident. And that is not, does not bode well for for uh for for rice but you know we've seen ego play and and and, and marcus i mean those dudes i mean they, shit they may hit 11 threes between the two of them in one half you never know man you, you seriously never know what they're capable of but that that yeah and i guess you know cbs espn3 or whatever i mean they didn't have the foresight to think you know you know 10 months ago whatever then they made the schedules but they're missing out on this one but i'm i'm totally watching this on cusa tv and I'm going to pump the shit out of it on, on the internet to get people to watch after our, because, you know, our game will be over by that point. And um, it's going to be awesome, dude. And UTEP could get yeah, a any, really, really great road win right here. If, if anybody has an extra CUSA account that they're not using, slide it my way, because I ain't paying $6 for that shit. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> dog, dog, you know I, I got it. that I've, password. I've heard... <laughs> I got the hookup. Yeah, because <laughs> North Texas and UTSA are are more important to put on ESPN three on that Saturday. So yeah, we'll we're gonna, we're gonna have to fix that a little bit. But it's you're right though. This week you're gonna see a lot of movement. I mean, make you made a hot. T- I, I was gonna ask you for a hot take, but you made one in Charlotte. You know, being able to 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 get that. You know, they got that Thursday off, but then you know their travel partner Old Dominion. That's gonna be kind of huge. The, for them, standings-wise, depending how everybody else goes. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you're looking at some of these games this week. I mean, the standings can go in about six different directions just based off a couple yeah. teams, you know, the, you know, outcomes this week. So, just final thoughts, Dave. Anything that we leave out? Anything else we messed up? Anything we need to correct or anything? <laughs> no, nah, man, we killed it this week, man. We're, we're firing all cylinders. Um, it, may, it may be the beers that I've been drinking or it may be Doug Smock, but, like, the planet's aligned this week again. And we kick some ass on the CUSA Hoops cast. That's what it is. That's what it is. Appreciate Doug Smock coming on. Again, you can follow Dave on the Daily Dragon at the underscore Daily Dragon. Follow his all his UAB stuff. Also, follow his Conference USA stuff coming out this week, right? The Mid Major Madness piece. You have that out this week, man? 
They better. They better publish that shit like ASAP. I got like three <laughs> articles <laughs> that's ready to come out. Ooh. So yeah, be looking for that. Yeah, be looking for that. I mean, uh, you know, I'll hit everybody up, make sure they get a, get up get a, get a eyes on it, and so the country can know CUSA is the dopest and the baddest, man. There you go. Check this out. Check Minor Rush out at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush, and of course the website MinorRush.com. Also, subscribe to this podcast on, on iTunes and subscribe to SB Nation Minor Rush on, on iTunes. You'll get this podcast. You'll get the weekly uh, UTEP podcast that we do. And for Dave West, I'm Alex Nicholas. Episode 11 of the CUSA Hoopscast is a wrap. Peace.